Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. Glad to have you with us on this fine Friday morning here in Queen City, Texas, in the studio where we meet every Friday morning. I want to encourage you, if you're watching this and you're available on Friday mornings, I don't care what church you go to, this is not about denominational teaching. This is about Bible teaching. And Bible doesn't teach denominational things, so I encourage you to bring your Bibles, your cup of coffee, meet with us. It's only an hour every Friday morning. Just come and fellowship and, <clears throat> and in the Word. We're not trying to get you in Crossway Church. We're trying to get you in the truth of God's Word. Because when you find the truth of God's Word, your life will change radically. And uh, we're in the book of Galatians today. Uh, chapter 4 is where we are. And we will start in verse 22 when we start. <clears throat> but before we start, I'd just like to remind everybody that no matter how you're watching this and what avenue of social media you're watching this, everything we do at Crossway Church is uploaded on my YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. <clears throat> There's an ongoing Romans teaching right now. And I believe we're in the third chapter of Romans. Very powerful uh, teaching and it's uploaded every Monday and Thursday at the YouTube channel by lunch, but I'm doing them live at 8.15 a.m. on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. So if you have those avenues, <clears throat> then you can, you can uh, help yourselves by getting in the teaching and learning the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So chapter 4 in Galatians... Verse 22, let's back up a little bit in verse 19. Start there. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. Now, that's something important because the Apostle Paul, for him to stand in doubt of anybody means he's standing in doubt of their faith. Not the kind of building they're in or not the kind of chairs they're using or color of the carpet. He stands in doubt of, of are they still believing the gospel because it's very dangerous to get moved away from the gospel. And really when you study the letter to the Galatian churches, you'll see that the purpose of this letter is because of that. It's so easily, we are so easily and suddenly moved away from the faith Easy. I've been there. I speak from experience. It can happen to those who are listening and say it'll never happen to me. I'm telling you, while you're saying it can't happen to you, you can already be moved. Because everybody who's been moved out of the faith still thinks they're in the faith. So it's a very dangerous thing for to wake up one day and to realize the Apostle Paul uh, you know, has sent you a letter. Your pastor's reading the letter. And, and the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm in doubt of you. That's pretty scary. Now, I'm sure in that day, just like it is today, some people probably just got up and went home. You know, I ain't got time for this Paul guy. You know, he's, you know, well, he was here, but he's no longer here. And Paul deals with that too in the Scriptures uh, about, you know, not only in my presence should you be serving God, but even in my absence because people are real fickle. They, they, they're, we're, we're real fickle. If, we don't, if it ain't just like we want it, then we just won't do it at all. And that's not faith, my friends. That's not fa faith is I'm believing in the cross of Christ, and if that is where my faith is, then I'm going to be found living in obedience to the Word of God. And uh, so he says in verse 21, Tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? And then he, what Paul is about to do, he's about, about to use the Scriptures to bring forth a point that they should know from the Scriptures, but now has been made manifest to them through Christ and what He's done for them. He says in verse 22, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. How many of you know the story of Sarah and Hagar? Sarah was barren. She couldn't have kids. Abraham's wife couldn't have kids. Even though Abraham had been given a promise, you know, that, that his seed would be as fruitful as the, as the sand grains on the seashore. And, and, and that the whole world would be blessed through him. Yet he don't have a kid. 
So, you know, sometimes you get put in those situations. You know what God's Word says. You know what God has promised. But yet, it doesn't appear like it's going to happen. What do we have to do? Just keep believing God. Keep trusting God. And the Bible testifies positively about Abraham and says he never staggered at the promise. Now, we can say this morning, he staggered. But he never staggered at the promise. And we staggered and tried to bring about the promise in other avenues like most of the modern church is doing today, the promise of the Spirit of God, the promise of the power of God. If God, And this is what really the, the modern church is saying in the subconscious today is that, bless God, if God ain't going to move, and this is what they're saying with their subconscious, if God's not going to move, then I'm just going to move him myself. And I'll make something happen and call it a move of God, and that never works. That's law. That's law. So Abraham, you know the story. He, you know, he doesn't have a child, and, it, and it's to the point where even his wife Sarah says, you know what, just take my handmaid, this bond slave of mine, Hagar. Take her. She can bring forth a child, and that'll be our seed. You, you can't get involved in, 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 in God's plan for your life outside faith in the promise. You can't make it happen. All you can do is keep believing. And that's what we've learned through the story of Abram and all those through the Old Covenant, that when you try to make things happen, you bring your way in because God's way only includes Him bringing forth the promise, not you getting involved. And so that's why he says here, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by slave woman. A bondmaid means a maidservant, a female slave. This was an Egyptian girl uh, that... that I don't really know, but more than likely they might have picked up when they had gone into Egypt at one time. And when they come out, I don't really know. I didn't get into all that when, when she really came into the picture. But <clears throat> nevertheless, she is a, a bondmaid to Sarah. She's a, a maidservant. She's a female slave. She's not free like Sarah. She's brought into Israel as a slave. And, and the other... The Bible says here in the 22nd verse is a free woman, talking about Sarah, a woman of liberty, a woman that's free. She's free because she's an Israelite. She's free. She's not a slave. She's free. And she's Abram's wife. And let me read my notes here. The continued attempt by the Lord through the Apostle Paul is to show the Galatians the difference between law and grace and to persuade them that grace is what they need. That's the, really the purpose of the whole letter of Galatians is, listen, you're leaving grace. Stop. Don't leave grace. You're going back under law. And under law, and we'll, he'll really get into it in, in the next chapter, but if you leave grace, God can't help you no more. You remove yourself from grace. You fall from grace. God can't help you. Won't even do no good to cry out to God. Your prayer doesn't work under law. Think about that. So all those churches out there, Dave, preaching everything but the cross, preaching what you got to do, they're under law. God can't hear them. He's not listening to them. Under law, God hears one prayer. Forgive me and get me out of this. I'm accepting your, your son's way, what you did through Christ. That's it. Because, if listen, if Christ can't benefit you or affect you, that means your prayers aren't working. So anybody who has a disagreement with what I just said about if you're under law, God's not going to answer your prayers. He's not going to help you. There's no help under the law because he sent his son to redeem us from the law. So if Christ can't affect you, Christ can't profit you, and that's what chapter 5 verses 1 through 4 says, if you go back to trusting in anything other than the cross... Christ can't affect you. He can't profit you. That means your prayers aren't working. Because if your prayers are working, you're being affected and profited by Christ. Amen? Amen. See, it's just simple teaching. So all those under the law, their prayers aren't working. Doesn't matter if they're swinging from the chandeliers, crying, Oh God, thou holy, oh, they got this 45-minute prayer of Scripture that sounds, man, so awesome, and we could only wish we could pray like that, but God ain't acknowledging it because they're under law. You're under law. You're not under the place where God functions. He only functions in grace. I mean, he don't function in law. 
Why is that? Because the law has been pushed aside. The first was done away with that he might bring in and establish the second. First is gone. It's over. Amen. Now, I'm not saying the law doesn't have a purpose, a moral purpose, and, and we could talk about that, but we won't. But that's over. And that's what Paul is trying to get basically the whole, everybody writes to to see. That's over. That's an era that's gone. Now we're, God's offering grace. So, and I said this last week, in closing I'll say it again, law says do, grace says done. Law says try, grace says trust. Law says it's up to you. Grace says it's up to him. Law takes us to Mount Sinai, we'll talk about it in just a minute. Grace takes us to Mount Calvary. There's a young man that doing my yard yesterday, and one of the uh, young men on the weed eater, they know I'm a preacher. I, I don't know. They all know I'm a preacher. I didn't tell them, but somebody told them. And so they get the weed eaters, they cut the weed eaters off. They're talking to me out there because I was working in my shop, 2B shop. And uh, one of them started talking about that he is a, a lady used to play a keyboard here, grandson, and, and he's got folks trying to get him in a church of Christ and tell them, if you're not water baptized in our church, you're not going to heaven. Telling this young boy, this, about 20 years old thereabouts, I'd say, and he said, I just didn't feel right that, about that. And my grandma told me that stuff ain't right. But they're relatives. They're kin to him, and he's got good friends. And, and it's even to the point he said, this guy's my good friend, but he told me he couldn't even be my friend anymore if I'm not in that church. And I said... Let me just, and he's on the outside of my shop looking through the two before studs, and I'm in there, you know, and uh, he, he's, he's saying all this to me, and I said, let me just make sure you understand one thing. Anybody that's telling you it's about what you've got to do to be saved or, or sanctified, get into heaven, uh, is a liar. Basically, that's it. They're a liar because it ain't about what you do. It's about what Jesus did. He said, yeah, yeah, I know that. I, I, yeah, I know that. I, you know, and that's why that stuff is, you know, and, and, and he don't really 110% know that. Or, or, there would, or, or he'd be telling me about them. But, you know, and he admitted, I need to learn the Bible. I need to learn how more to say and, and all that. But just think about people. People are out there by the drove telling you, you have to do something or you're not going to heaven. Their prayers can't be heard. They're not, they're not walking in a place of New Testament ministry that 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9 teach. That's not of the Spirit. And this is how we know that. Galatians 5.18 says, they, As many as be led of the Spirit are not under law. Law is what you think you have to do instead of faith in grace, which is what Christ did for you. And anybody that's telling you you have to do something, and that's exactly what's going on, and the purpose this letter was written. It's as relevant today. It's as relevant today for the church as it ever was when it was written to this church. These churches in Galatia, there. Listen, even the people that aren't that Church of Christ denomination. I was a preacher telling people what they had to do for deliverance, to see the power of God in their lives for deliverance. And it, listen, let's just get it straight this morning. Once in kindergarten for all, there's only one faith. There's not a different faith for living saved as there is getting saved. Ephesians chapter 4 says there's one Lord, one baptism, one faith. One faith. And Paul defined it. He said, the life I live now in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave himself for me. There's only one faith. And, and Christians, are we get subtly deceived thinking that because we're saved by faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary, and we're being told by preachers that there's another faith for healing. There's another faith. No, it's one faith, the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of like in my Romans teaching right now where it says, uh, let's just look over there at it, Romans chapter 3, this is very powerful, show you something this morning. Romans chapter 3, verse 22, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, by faith of Jesus Christ. By faith of Jesus Christ. It does not say, by faith in Jesus Christ. No, that's right. And some people and other 
most other translations will remove that and say, by faith in Jesus Christ. But watch, if you keep reading, unto all and upon all them that believe. There's the part about you. Don't change the first part, because first, it took his faith for you to have faith. Because it's the faith that he had that took him to Calvary. By his faith, we have faith. By his righteousness, we have righteousness. And it's only by his work that we can work. Whatever we've got, he had it first, or it ain't legitimate. Amen. So you can't say that means by faith in Jesus Christ because that part comes later. First, it has to be just like it's written. That's why we need a King James Bible or anything else out there that is a word-for-word translation because, listen, they're trying to change translations to help you, but they're hurting us because things don't need to be removed from the Bible See, that's been removed from some other translations. But you need to know that it was by his faith that even made it possible for you to have faith because Romans 12, 3, the measure of faith God gave you is the measure of that faith, not another faith. Amen. That's a golden nugget for you today. Amen, Brother Terry. (laughs) So whatever you've got, he had it first. You've got victory today because he got it first. (laughs) You're going to heaven because he went first. (laughs) Whatever we've got, it's because we're a joint heir of what he's already got. Amen. But you can't have none of it unless your faith is in the cross. Not what you're doing. The avenue of righteousness, which is the death of Jesus, Galatians 2.21, 2 Corinthians 5.21, the avenue of righteousness is the only avenue by which all the benefits come. And because of something on social media yesterday, I'll add this. You can't separate the, the fruit of the Spirit from the fruit of righteousness. can't separate that. That's one and the same. The fruit of righteousness is because the Spirit of God is working the fruit of of who He is, of who Christ is in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of righteousness. Amen, Brother Curtis. Here Paul begins to use the Scriptures which the Judaizers are using. By the way, everybody uses Scripture. But it's how you hold the Scriptures That'll acknowledge whether God's going to acknowledge you holding his scriptures or whether he's going to oppose you. All who hold his word of truth in unrighteousness, he opposes all that. I don't care if you're swinging from the chandeliers with tears of joy, going glory to God. Thank you, Lord. If you're you're not pointing through the cross into God's word, you're holding it in an unrighteous manner and preaching law to people. And God's opposing you. That's not the power of God in your ministry. That's the opposition coming from the Lord. He's opposing all. And I know people say, well, brother, the Bible says there that he's opposing all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Yes. And that's all that exists outside of grace. If I'm not under grace, even if I don't drink and cuss and go to bars and clubs and gamble and all that, I'm still living a life that's ungodly and unrighteous if my faith is in the law. Now I just look better. Now I'm just shaving. Now I'm just hanging out with some suit-wearing folk. But if I'm under the law, that means I'm under the bondage of the law. Mm. But... Galatians 4.23 goes on, says, But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. Talking about Ishmael. Well, we'll just help God bring this promise along. Instead of believing, we'll get involved and we'll work, we'll work for it. We'll, we'll make God move. I'll make God give me. He's promised me a seed, but all this waiting on God ain't getting it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and I'm going to work. And listen, the Bible says in Titus 1.16, we deny God by our works. Anything other than faith in the promise, which is Jesus Christ and what he accomplished at Calvary, anything outside of that avenue is us working, trying to bring the promises of God into our life. 
Only faith in the cross will cause the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to bring the promises of God into your life. Outside of that, you're working for Him. Working for Him. If I could just get like Brother Keith, if I could just get where he is, if I could just be like Brother Swaggered, oh, if I could just work my way up to that point, you're working yourself to death. And you're also working yourself in a place of death. Because law is just a ministry of condemnation and death. <clears throat> but he says, but, but, of, but he who was of the bondwoman, the slave woman, was born after the flesh, being Ishmael. But he that was born of the free woman was by the promise. And God goes to great lengths to get us to understand, I'm going to do it in my own time. How old was Abraham when he had a baby? 99 or 100. And Sarah was what? 90? That's God. That's God. When's the last time a 90-year-old woman had a baby? Not since Sarah. <laughs> When's the, when before that did one have one? Never. What God does, man ain't going to do. And God does it in a way, He leads you to a place where if you'll just hang on, He's getting you to a place because He wants you to know it can't be done by anybody but me. And I'm going to show you that. I'm going to lead you out here. I'm going to lead you right up to a Red Sea. I'm going to lead you to a place. It looks like it's over. But if you'll hang on, I'll even open the sea for you. But you got to hang on. Like Brother Swagger says, if you won't quit, he won't quit. A lot of people quit right before their Red Sea's about to open, right before their giant's about to fall. And we know it'll fall. We know it'll open. We ain't no need to quit. Ain't no need to quit. God's just trying. The only reason he's waiting, and there's probably many reasons because his wisdom is beyond our comprehension, but one of the main reasons that he's waiting is to get you to a place where you and everybody around you will know that this had to be God. It can't be a guess anymore. This God. If it worked out before you, well, I've seen others do all that, you know. But when you get to a Red Sea and it's stopped up and the Egyptians are coming, listen, God waited till the last moment. I believe another minute and some of the Israelites would have died. But God's always right on time. Because Him being right on time means He's going to be the one getting the glory for it. Amen. So we're just going to hang on. No matter what it is you're being troubled about, no matter what it is you think God has promised you, if you'll just keep going, you'll step into it. But you've got to keep going even when it looks like it's over. Ain't no need to keep going. Look at this. Well, faith says I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm going to keep going. It's easy to say that on a good, cool weather day after the heat here. Today. I'm going to keep going, glory to God. It feels good outside, and that's all because our flesh feels good. What happens on those days when it's raining, you're out digging water and mud hole with a shovel, crying tears with the rain, saying, God, I'm going to keep believing anyway. Things ain't working out according to my plan, but yours can never fail, hallelujah. So I'm just going to keep marching on. God's plan can't fail. This ain't the way I had it planned, but thank God I got a revelation. It ain't about my plan. <laughs> God's got a plan for you, and let me tell you, your plans are going to fail. What you had planned, and that again is so God can get us to the point where he can say, this is my plan because my plan is all that gives me glory. Your plan will glorify you. And he has to go to great lengths to show us our plan won't work. Even when we're faking it like it is working, God says, it ain't working. Some preachers been in ministry 50, 60, 70 years they never, they've never been a preacher of the gospel for sanctified living. In what they've preached has never worked for one person. It's been their plan. It's been them doing what they want to with the word, and it won't work. Amen. The bondwoman represents the, the law which brings bondage and intensifies the flesh. Romans 5.20 says that. The law entered that the offense might abound. And Romans 7.5 says it's the law that puts sin in motion. If we're listening, think about that. Romans chapter 7, verse 5, something that ought to be paramount in every Christian's Bible, highlighted in rainbow colors. 
anything I think I have to do for salvation or for victory or, or, or for the provision that only Christ can offer me through my faith in His death, anything I think I have to do is law. Law is me doing. For victory, for salvation, for provision from heaven, it, it's, if I'm doing it, it's law. Amen. I'm not talking about there are no works, but all the works are because we're already saved, already walking in our sanctification. We're trusting in the finished work of Christ. And anything I put my trust in, like the beautiful books in the supposed Christian bookstores today that have beautiful pictures on them and great catchy titles, and I'll read it, and it'll tell me if I do these three things, I can be delivered from smoking or cussing or blah, 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 or I can start loving my wife like I should after I've had nine already. Listen, I, the three things it's telling me to do is law. You're being told to do something. That's law. Do it. God will. That's law. And the Bible says, man, you need to have this highlighted in your Bibles. It's the law that stirs sin into motion. That sin nature comes back alive. That was made dormant when you placed faith in the cross. That sin, that sin nature became dormant and you begin to live without the bondage of that old sin nature. But when you move your faith from the cross to anything you do, the sin nature comes alive, puts that sin in motion again. And we preachers are killing the church by telling them what they have to do for deliverance instead of pointing to what Jesus did because only through that can grace come. And it's by grace we're saved in any capacity, initially, daily. And the free woman represents grace, which gives the Spirit by promise. See, the Spirit of God. You've received the Spirit of God by the promise. Think about that. A promise, not you working. The promise of a Redeemer coming. Your faith in Him. You re Jesus is our promise. He's our promised Messiah. Amen. He says in verse 24, Which things are an allegory. Everybody say allegory. An allegory is a figurative sentence or discourse in which the principal subject is described by another subject resembling it in its properties and circumstances. That means we're talking about something over here that you can see to, to try to describe something over here that you can't see. That's an allegory. And a lot of preachers say that too much of the Bible is an allegory. When it's not. But when the Bible says this is an allegory, that's exactly what it is. And let's see what he's talking about here. He says, which things are an allegory for these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which gendered to bondage, which is Hagar. Now he's not talking about his sons. Now he's talking about Abram's two wives. One of them was Sarah. We've already talked about it. Prom, uh, through which the promise would come, the free woman, his wife. The other one was a, a slave girl, a bondmaid. That was Sarah's slave, female slave girl that tended to her things, whatever that was in that day. It'd be a lot today, glory. <laughs> to be a bond slave to the women we have in our society today, they'd be busy. <laughs> These two wives of Abraham present the two covenants. The one wife, Hagar, which bore Ishmael, represented the law and could only enslave those under it and is represented by Mount Sinai where the law of Moses was given. Think about this now this morning. And I know we already know this, but we just like talking about it. Amen. Amen. The Bible says... We're going to be his jewels in his jewelry box one day because we talked about him. It's all right to talk about the weather, but you better be talking about the Lord because he's the most important topic on the planet. It's his planet, and we're his people, and he's about to come for us. You take, you take the mountain, the Mount Sinai, where God led his people to, and it was... A, a, a fearful sight, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. But it was, it was the mountain 
And God does all his, these major things on these mountains. Think about this. He gives the law on a mountain, and the mount, mountains really represent in an earthly matter, and we could say in a spiritual matter, the highest thing on the earth is a mountain. Mm -hmm. So mountains represent the authority of God. So God takes Moses up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, and gives him the law. Think about that. That's powerful. And even when Jesus, before he goes to the cross, he takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain. And who is it? Moses and Elijah comes to him. And the Bible says, speaks to him about his, his death, coming death. See, it's still about the cross. It's all about the cross. And folks that move away from that, move away from God. But that happened on a mountain where he, he was transfigured and, and the, he, he, the glory of God appeared upon him. That was on a mountain. Think about that. And when it come time for him to be crucified, that was on a mountain. And a lot happened on that mountain. So much happened on that mountain that the whole priesthood was changed. The law was changed. Hebrews chapter 7. Everything changed on that mountain. Boy, that, that'll make the hair stand up on your arm. Everything for all of humanity changed on that mountain. But it happened on a mountain. And this ought to help you when you're, when you're reading the Scriptures and it talks about mountains, you know, and, and, and the, uh, the mountains also represent men's authority. They think they, the, you know, they're, they're high. All the mountains going to fall. Every mountain going to be made low. To show that it ain't about your authority or your plan. God is our mountain. Hallelujah. So the one wife, Hagar, bore Ishmael, represented the law and could only enslave those under it. And is represented by Mount Sinai where the law of Moses was given. And to me, that's, that's just powerful. Because God takes Moses up this mountain. He gives him the law. The law is given that the offense might abound. Romans 5.20 says. And the law coming can only strengthen sin. Think about that. 1 Corinthians 15.56. The law is what strengthens sin. That's another something that ought to be highlighted in high glossy pink in your Bible. Because if you're trying to live under law by what you do to get to heaven, it's only strengthening sin in your life. There, because there's no deliverance under law. There's only a strength of sin. Not, let me say something about that. Not only is there no deliverance from sin, but sin is being strengthened by what you're doing. Even if they're good things. Now, this is where it becomes real deceptive. Well, I read my Bible every day. I go to church every week. You know, and my, not only do I go to church, I go to that church. Law. Moving away from God. Not only are we crying out for deliverance, but not knowing we're sinking deeper in bondage. Deeper, deeper. Robin and I came out of a church right down the road here some 15, 16 years ago, and we are 15, 16 years more so down the path of the just, and the light is that much brighter, but they've not joined the ranks of those who have their faith in the cross alone yet. So that means they're 15, 16 years down a darker, wrong path. They're in that much more darker darkness, but yet calling it light. Thinking that they're more spiritual. That we, You know, they down there, they're just all about the cross. They're still stuck back here at Calvary. And we've moved on. And listen, the only ones moving on with Jesus are the ones who hold in that nail-scarred hand. The ones whose faith have been brought back to Calvary. Everybody else is not only living sinful lives before God. Because faith in anything but the cross puts you in a boat of sin. Trusting in anything but the cross puts you in a boat, sinking boat, of sin. And the devil's right there standing up, leading it along with your flesh, thinking that your, your boat's not sinking. And listen, that's what deception is. I'm in a sinking boat, but bless God, it ain't sinking. Water, yeah, that's, that, that water's up to my knee, but you know what? That ain't water. That's the glory. Hallelujah. Oh, deception is horrible. It's deception. It means I don't know that I don't know. They don't know that they don't know. 
that the object and only object of faith is the cross. They don't know that they don't know. They're under law. They don't know that they don't know. Everything they put on the table outside of pointing people to Calvary is law. They don't know that they don't know. I feel so sorry for them. Sixteen years later, they're in sixteen more years of deeper darkness. But for you and me, we're years... I'm 16, 15, 16 years since that point myself where the promise of the path of the just be shining brighter is doing just that for me because it's the path of the just. And the brightness of that path is what it is that justified us because Jesus is the light. But the cross is the only thing that makes him shine to us. Hallelujah. Verse 25, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. Now he's relating Hagar, the one that they agreed, uh, Sarah agreed with Abram, we'll use her to bring the promise of God in. We'll do this. We can do this. No, you can't. And when they did that, Paul here, remember, Paul is using this as an allegory, and you can do that. You can look at the Scriptures and get out of... You better be getting Jesus and grace out of it, or you ain't getting what you should. Because Jesus said, the Scriptures are about me. So, again, that same denomination called the Church of Christ has thrown out the Old Covenant. They've thrown the Old Testament out. They don't even bring it in the church. They don't read it. They say, because we're not under law. That's true, but here's what we need to always remember. Genesis through Malachi, Jesus said, was about him. So if I look back, and although that was types and shadows to them then, it becomes light to me now. Amen. The old scriptures become light to me now. But why? Because they become Jesus to me now. He was... He was hidden. He was concealed in the old, revealed in the new. It's, it's kind of like, a, uh, and maybe this will help us all. Uh, can we look at Proverbs 14.1? I started my Proverbs uh, chapter 14 this morning. I got 17 more chapters, I guess, uh, and, and that means, uh, you know, 17 more months thereabout. Proverbs 14, watch this going to help us with what we're talking about this morning. Every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish plucks it down with her hands. How many of you have ever had the question, reading the Proverbs and reading uh, uh, things in the Old Testament that say things like, wisdom has built her house. And you see these feminine things about the things of God. Well, I hope from this day forward you will understand that Paul is using these two women as an allegory of really the wise and the unwise. Wisdom will build a house. The unwise can't. And wisdom referred, I mean, wisdom being in a feminine way in the Old Covenant, really now with what we're seeing revealed to us in the New, as he's using Hagar and Sarah as an allegory, of two different covenants. One of them produces grace. One of them is law. Grace is the only thing that brings wisdom and everything else into your life. You kind of see where I'm going with this? I hope so. Because the New Testament reveals that which we didn't understand in the Old. That will broaden the revelation of Jesus in our lives. We need the Old Covenant. You don't need it to be saved, but you need it to understand greater to a greater degree your Savior and your salvation. Yeah, that's right. Jesus is the fulfiller. He didn't say, all right, you can throw it away now, boys and girls. That's, uh, no, He fulfilled it. That means He filled it up with Himself. Get that. I mean, he didn't, he didn't come along and say, okay, I'll fulfill this. Check it off. Get rid of it. That's over. He says, no, I, have, I am the one who fills it up. I am your Genesis. I am every listen, everything you're reading in the scriptures, you're saying, you're thinking it gives you life, but it's about me. 
Remember what he told them? But you won't come to me. See, that right there is proof enough for me that unless you look through Christ and what he did at Calvary, which is who he really is, what he did at Calvary, if you don't look through him and his cross, his work at the cross, you can't look properly on the Scriptures. And that's what the Lord is showing us here at Crossway Church, that every word he's ever spoken is in righteousness, and the righteousness of God is only revealed in the Gospel. Oh, oh, hold on. From, who's it revealed to? Those who believe that from faith to faith. Not faith that comes by hearing something else, but faith that comes from hearing the Word of God in its truthful gospel form. Because outside the gospel, God's words aren't righteous to you. See, this ought, this ought to cause a whole brand new movement in the church among those that have their faith in the cross today. This ought to bring so much clarity, but first you've got to admit it. If you can't prove it wrong, you might as well go with it. Because if it's lifting Jesus up, if it's pointing to Jesus, if you're using the Bible to point to Jesus and not make rules about a certain group of people and the way we have to live, then you're using God's Word right because He is our righteousness. Amen, brother Curtis. Verse 25, because this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She represents the law. Why? Because she represents what Abram and, and Sarah did in the flesh, and no flesh operates under law. He's using this. He's pointing to these two women. And answers to Jerusalem, which now is. Now, Jerusalem, right now, the one on the earth. He says, and is in bondage with her children. And even when this was written, Jerusalem was in bondage even at this time to the Romans. But even without the Romans, they were in bondage to the law. Because law is bondage. Law is bondage. Well, what happened to them? Did they all die and go to hell? No, God made a way through the sacrificial system so that their faith would be what brought them through and into the kingdom. Because law can't get you into the kingdom. It's always been grace. There was grace before there was law. Amen. So, well, that's quite a statement. That's kind of a, ooh, I know that's deep, deeper than I want to go. Verse 26 says, Jerusalem, which is above, is free. He's talking about the heavenly Jerusalem, which is, watch this, which is the mother of us all. Oh, so God's got a wife. I knew it after all. There it is right there. I do have a mother, and God, it's God's wife. See, and, and people that don't understand the things that are allegorical and the things that are not allegorical because they don't understand the righteousness of God's Word, which ultimately means their faith is really not in the cross, and that's, that's not what the Holy... They're not letting the Holy Spirit show them the finished work of Jesus in the Bible. Think about this. Then they're going to be off track about everything. And even the things they're really saying that are right... It doesn't matter because they got Jesus wrong. So it don't matter what you have right. Heard Pastor uh, Mike Musrall say that years ago. If you get Jesus wrong, it don't matter what else you get right. God ain't honoring it. Even the parts you're saying right and believing right, God can't honor it. He can't honor it. God can't honor His Word outside of the context in which He spoke it. And the example is Abram and Sarah going to get Hagar. That ain't what God said do. So when you take something God said to you, a promise, or you even read the promise in the Word, and you, and you go try to make it happen, God didn't tell you to do that. So, so watch this. Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all, which is an allegory typified by Sarah, the free woman. And one day, and I got some scriptures here, mother of us all, let me read this, the Jerusalem that is above, which one day will come and reside on earth, represented by Sarah, is free, not a bond slave, and is the mother of us all. Mother of us all is referring again to the allegory which points back to Sarah and forward to the new Jerusalem filled with the children of grace, not law. Let me read that again. Mother of us all, everybody say us, us. not everybody. More than us, though. People out there say, yeah, he's one of them guys teaching it. If you don't go to Crossway Church, they've said it. 
They've said it about me, but they can't show me on CD. They can't find it on any kind of media where I've said it. You know why? Because I never have. Oh, they're preaching if you don't go to that church and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. They're the only ones. And they've said that about other preachers have said that. Other preachers that claim to be preaching this message have called us elite, think we're elitists. That's what they say about Paul too. That's why they hated him. Let me tell you something. And Chastity was talking about it before uh, this teaching this morning. You can be saying all the right things, but if you're not believing it in your heart, you're going to be trying to tear other people down. So, it, I mean, you saying the things that are right don't mean the, those right things are in your heart. And Jesus proved that. He said, oh, you're drawing near me with your lips. You're saying all the right things you know I want to hear, but your hearts are far from me. God forbid our hearts be far from God while our lips are trying to put on a show like we're near Him. It's only the blood that brings you near, Ephesians 2.13, and it's only the blood that'll keep you near. Amen. Revelation 21, let me read this one thing again before we go there. Mother of us all, referring again to the allegory which points back to Sarah and forward to the new Jerusalem filled with the children of grace, not law, because you're only free under grace. You're not free under law. And the Bible says in verse 26 that Jerusalem, which is above, is free. Which is the mother of us all. And there's that, that thing about mother of us all. Uh, it, it just, it's an allegory. We don't have a mother. We have a father. That is so powerful. We, we Listen, it's so powerful. He didn't need a wife for us to need a mother. To, for you to have a kid... You got to go find somebody to help you bring that in. God don't need a wife to bring about children. Amen, Brother Curtis. Amen. So let's look at two scriptures this morning. Revelation 21, 2. I, John, saw the holy city. He's talking about this new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. How many of you know the new Jerusalem? Heaven, where God's throne is, all that where He is, is one day going to come and rest upon this earth, and from there, He will rule. It's called the new Jerusalem. It's not the old Jerusalem that was under law, represented here by Hagar, being used as an allegory by Paul. And Paul, let's just stop for a minute. Why is Paul doing this? Why is he saying all he's saying? Because the church here is in danger of going out there and following these law preachers. Using the scriptures to do it, to get people to follow them. I don't care what scriptures they are using, my friend. There is nothing in the Bible seen in its righteous context will, that will tell you you have to work for your salvation. That's your righteousness and not the righteousness He affords you by faith. You working is not faith. You believing is faith. Amen, Brother Curtis. I mean. I, John, saw the holy city. The holy city. There ain't one on the earth right now. Because we have a cross preaching church in Queen City, it still ain't a holy city. Even if the mayor was a holy, saved, born-again, blood-bought child of God, Queen City ain't a holy city. Atlanta ain't a holy city, or they wouldn't have Bud Dumber on the shelves in Walmart. That's right. That's true. Amen. I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God. Who sent it? God. Out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I want to share that scripture with you now. I want to share this one, Hebrews 12, starting in verse 18. Because we're talking about these two different mountains. Mount Sinai and really, really Mount Calvary, which is where grace comes from. In Hebrews 12, 18, the Bible says, For you are not coming to the mount that might be touched, referring to Mount Sinai, and that burns with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. God thundered His word at Mount Sinai until the point where the people said, we can't handle it. 
fire coming out of the mountain. I mean, it was a move of God that nobody wants to be a part of. Why? Because it represented law. The law, the law should scare you. And you go back to Romans chapter 3, it says that the law, that the law should make every mouth shut. Should shut every mouth. Not just shut every mouth and, you know, I should, I should quit saying I can do this. I should, I should just shut up and quit saying that. I should, it should close my mouth because it's obvious I can't, but Jesus did. It should shut our mouths. I, quit saying you can do it on your own. You can't do it. Jesus did it for you. It should close your self-righteous mouth. Amen. And, it, and it's going to do that ultimately... For all the creation of, of people, every mouth will be shut. Even those that have said, I've done, even those that are still so deceived, standing at the great white throne judgment, saying, didn't I do it? That's what they're going to be saying. Didn't we do it? Oh, in your name, but didn't we do it? No, we didn't do it even in His name. If He's not doing it, and that's what grace is all about, Him doing it. That's what the cross is all about. That's the grace of God. It's what God did in Christ to reconcile sinners to Himself. And if that's what our faith is in, God starts in me a work, that same work, and keeps working that in me. That's not what my faith is in. I'm working. Oh, it might be in the name of the Lord in my mind, but it ain't really in the name of the Lord. Think about that. Verse 20, Hebrews 12. For they could not endure that which was commanded. Can't nobody endure the law. Do you see this? You can't endure the law. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. The law, oh, the law kills. It was, and, and, and Mount Sinai and when God was doing that in which he did there, even the outward things or a representation should be to us of what the law, what God, I mean, what the law does, it brings fear into our hearts. And, 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 and when we try to touch the, 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 the mountain, to climb the mountain of I can do it, all you're going to do is be pierced through with the fiery darts of the enemy because you can't keep the law. And so terrible was the sight. <clears throat> Think about the law... If you're under grace, the law should be a terrible sight to you. Because it's a ministry, the Bible says, of condemnation and death. That's a terrible sight. But that Moses said, I exceedingly, so terrible was the sight that even Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. That didn't mean he was standing, boy, it's pretty scary, Lord. No, it means he was shaking all over, exceedingly fearful. Oh, God! I mean, the law is either going to do that, you're going to look at the law that way now, or you're going to look at it that way later. I'd rather quake now at what the law did and held me under than later. But you, everybody say, but me. Glory to God, I'm come unto Mount Sion. And really, it's Sion, not Sion. When you look at the correct, correct pronunciation, since this is a Bible teaching, it's not Sion, it's Sion. That's the way it's pronounced when you look it up, and I'm sure some of you will, because you're theologians. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. That's what we've come to. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Who's the firstborn? Jesus. It's His church. He's the firstborn. Which are written in heaven. And to God the judge of all. And to the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. That's powerful. So what was going on with Sarah was that she was barren. The promise wasn't happening. We're ready to go be with the Lord too. The promise of being with Him, the promise of a new earth, you can't make that happen. But you can live by faith till it comes to pass. 
You may need a healing in your body. Don't get mad at God because it doesn't come today. No, it's coming in the precise, perfect plan of God. Just keep hanging on. If you get mad and turn away, it shows what was in your heart all along. And you know what amazes me? This really does amaze me, and I understand that it can happen to me or anybody else. I understand that can happen. It can happen. Things you say can't happen can happen to you. But I know a certain individual, and, and not in church, as far as I know, and I don't really know them personally, but I know of them. And there was such a great tragedy years and years ago, one of those tragedies where a kid, a little child is out in the driveway, and you don't know they're there, and the daddy comes out, gets in the car, and I'll leave the rest. You know what happens. The baby didn't make it, and, and, and now it's like somebody that doesn't even know God can be mad at God. How can you be mad at a God you don't know? See how foolish it is? And things like that are going to be pronounced greater judgment unless they repent and get right with God. God's going to point blank tell you, you were mad at me, but you never even knew me. How can you be mad at somebody you don't know? The proof that you're mad at somebody proves you know some God exists. And that ought to make you seek Him. Amen. That's a judgment that we're bringing. You know, at the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment, all the judgment that happens is going to be based on what we did with the Lamb. All at the great white throne judgment rejected Him and they're cast into the lake of fire for eternity. We are going to be judged for what we did, good and bad, these things in the body. Which was determined by what? What we did with the Lamb. Amen. So, you know, it, it, it does amaze me, even though I know anything's possible for anybody, to get mad at God. A God that you don't even know. But you must know He exists. So, see, that brings a greater judgment. You understand what I'm trying to say? Sarah was barren. Couldn't have kids. Who else did that happen to in the Old Covenant? Samuel's mother, Hannah. Barren, crying out to the point, Lord, if you'll give him, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him to you. Wow. I want a son so bad, I'm gonna give him to you, Lord. God heard that prayer. Gave her the son. And she gave him to the Lord. We need to think about these things. We need to leave this Bible study today contemplating all these things that we hear and hear because we don't learn in this classroom. We learn when we leave and when we allow the Holy Spirit to deeper enrich us in what we've heard and how He stirs our hearts. You may hear one thing in this Bible study today that sends you on your way and the Lord just ain't letting that go. He, that's because He wants you to go seek it out in a deeper manner. He wants to personally give you some Insight, if you will, some more light, revelation. But Sarah was barren. And it seems like it's the barren places and barren people that the Lord shows up to bring fruit out of. It's the weak, least likely to succeed. It's not the high and mighty. It's the low, down and out. I'm nobody, I'm nothing. Even when the Lord showed up to Moses, I ain't the one. When He showed up to Gideon, you must be mistaken, I ain't the one. It's the ones that are like that. They're down and out. They ain't had no, they just, they just don't have nothing. And the Lord shows up and says, you mighty man of valor. Who's telling that? Who's telling that? Man, I'm threshing wheat in a cave. If I was a valiant man of valor, I'd be out doing it in the open. I'm hiding. Moses was hiding in the, in the wilderness over behind a big old mountain. Think about that. The mountain you're hiding behind today may be the mountain God carries you up on. Think about that. The mountain you're hiding behind today may be the mountain God brings you up on. Amen. Sarah was barren. Everything's barren when God finds it. We were barren, lost and without hope, empty. Empty of all anything good. Empty of anything good. He found us barren. 
and he, and he saved us because he loved us. And he began to bring forth his fruit because we're his vineyard. It's his fruit. Amen? Well, praise God. This has been a great lesson today. And I encourage you to tune in every week right here Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Grab a friend, share these messages on social media. Please do more than hit the like button. Share them so your family, friends, co-workers can hear God's Word in truth. And until next week, stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified.